Hey, Jen Silbernagel, as we're carrying on a conversation that <laughs> is probably best for a phone call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that later. Hey, yeah, Gary, yeah, how's yeah. Going? <laughs> Look at this. So new setup and we're getting everything dialed in. Let me let you in on a little secret. Jen might be in the new KWRC studio, but we don't know, but it looks good and it sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It's nice to, to not be just like in my kitchen on my laptop anymore. I actually feel somewhat <laughs> like a professional. I got a mic like you do now. I'm all fancy, Gary. <laughs> yeah, all fancy and it sounds so good. We should, awesome. I don't know if I can do this. I'm totally going off scripts. So mm -hmm. bear with me. I'm going to see if I can do a wide shot of just. Hey. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's a ring light in here. I think I've got four lights set up around me, a microphone, a desk, a webcam, a um, couple of remotes. I don't know what they do, but. They do something with the lights behind me and then the, the boards that change colors in the background as well. So it's really cool. That's pretty wild. We'll uh, we'll do lots of behind the scenes video on that uh, over the next little while. But that's that's pretty cool that we've got that. That's amazing. Yeah. Good stuff. So um, lots that we're going to hit on this show today. And I threw Jen kind of a curveball right at the end. I said, Jen, guess what we're going to talk about? And um we got an email about 20 minutes ago, half an hour ago here in Ontario uh, with uh, some recommended changes to our REBA 2002. That's our real estate act on how we uh, interact with each other and with our clients. So there's going to be some um, changes coming to that over the next uh, six to 12 months. So I thought we would talk about that and throw Jen some curveballs at the, right at the very end. But that's what we do. We just roll and we adapt with it. So it's uh, all good. Go for it. It's yeah. all good. All right, let's uh, let's roll the intro. Let's do it. Beautiful. Look at that. It looks so good. I'm just going to be in awe of the whole show because <laughs> it's something that we've been working on for a long time. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, every few minutes, Gary's just going to cut in and be like, you sound so good. <laughs> he's been singing for the last half hour. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Very good. So we got a lot going on um, this summer. I mean, it's June now, Jen, and uh, just flying mm -hmm. by. And, Crazy. you know, we'll, we're going to talk about a little bit about the market and things like that. But, you know, usually the summer months, July, and end of June, July, August, it just slows down a wee bit. But what mm -hmm. are you and your coaching clients seeing there, Jen? Anything at the moment from that perspective? Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of depending on who I'm talking to and where they're located. That's really um, shifting from person to person. Um, you know, it seems like East Gwillimbury, Holland Landing, those type of pockets, Keswick still seem to be doing really well. They still seem to have a pretty solid market, you know, Barry as well in, in the lower price points. Um, however, in a lot of the other pockets in some neighborhoods, we're starting to see it cool off a little bit. And I think it's more price point related than location, to be honest, because I know some of our capper agents and that have been talking about how offers are picking up on some of their properties so it's it's a mixed bag i think right now and it's it does feel the market i guess if we're going to go off of that it does feel like the market has shifted slightly um just with you know the stress test rolling out and uh, you know the buyer demand kind of depleting a little bit we have a bit of an uptick in inventory so 
you know, there are indicators that it's going to be a slightly calmer, but I mean, it's all relative because, you know, slightly calmer than January is still a crazy market. It's just better than January was, right? So uh, it's it's hard to say, but yeah, we're starting to hear rumblings for sure on, on the calls this week and last week that less showings happening on properties, things like that. Yeah. yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how, you know, when we move into the next Ontario phases, the lockdown phases as it loosens, right? And what that yeah. does to our market as well. And, and maybe yeah. people are just excited to get out of the house and get to the Home yeah. Depot so they can paint the walls and all, trim out the doors that they've been waiting to do. Like, it'll be interesting to see, right? Yeah, I actually had that conversation this morning with one of the coaching, one of the girls in coaching, and we were talking about that with the phase one, like moving into the next phase on Friday now, so a little earlier as well than they had originally announced. I mean, a weekend earlier, but still, um, I, I think that the, the focus is going to shift a little bit more to being outside, being social uh, as much as we can be going and doing things, right? Because we've been we've been kind of locked up a little bit for the last three, four months. Really, it feels like the last year, honestly. Um, so I, I think that that's that could, my theory at least, is that that's going to slow the market down over the summer months. I think people are going to enjoy the summer. And then, you know, we might expect to see a bit of a pickup again once we get into September, October, especially if those kids go back to school. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it'll be really interesting. Yeah. And and speaking of summer, we over the last couple of months, we've been having a lot of fun with doing different wellness initiatives. And, and this is really cool that Mary Fresnel and Stephanie Malvina have put together. So this here, this is the summer wellness program and you can take part. In fact, everyone can take part. You can walk from every office to office to office, starting in, in Aurora to, to Keswick, all the way up to Tobamori. And as you can see here, Jen, uh, is 307 kilometers uh, throughout the summer. So, you know, I got I did some math. I yeah. did some math. And as you can see there, I think it's over, I wrote it down, 84 days is only 3.7 kilometers a day. And that'll wow. get you, imagine that, you could walk all the way from here to Keswick to Tobamori. <laughs> yeah. You could go visit Terry and Haley and Adam and all the guys up there at the office. Alexa. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty amazing. That's so 3.7 yeah. kilometers a day is pretty manageable. It's nothing. I like we we do that walking around the house in the office type thing, right? So, yeah, um, yeah. sign up. This is a fun program. There's going to be some prizes that Mary and Stephanie will be launching as well. And you can see the website there, the URL, mykwrc.ca/sw summer wellness is what it stands for. So go sign up, log in, and you can track your progress and and. And I was going to say, make fun of other people, but we don't do that. <laughs> so I got you this week. I did, I did yeah. 80 kilometers, but it's all in good fun. But in, in, in all honesty is to get up and moving throughout the summer. And this is such a yeah. cool way to do it. So walk, run, Vincent, we're on you, Vincent Bongard. We know you could probably run this in a day. So I was going to say, this will take him like a week at the distances he runs. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Right. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Very, very good. So sign up for that and uh, and log your your progress there. And, and Mary will be doing updates on that throughout the summer as well. I okay, Jen, good. <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. Let's look at this Tressa update. And I know this might be a little hard, uh, small on the screen, but I'll kind of highlight some of the um, some of the things here. And yeah. it's um, it's really, really interesting, in fact. So 
there's there's kind of two phases to this if I, if you allow me to just kind of explain it for a moment and the first phase we just got feedback from the ministry um and and that is in your email inbox today and it's pretty straightforward some basically what they're looking for is some some uh tools in order to help um clients buyers and sellers get more information and to you know hold us accountable and that's exactly like that that's an easy mm. yes our agents agents throughout ontario need to be accountable for their actions and and 100 right you i think everybody can agree on that yeah but as i scroll down here jen and it's the phase the phase two and what code of ethics are being changed the phase two regulation and future considerate or future co- consultation so this part all right in here we're going to highlight a couple of things and and i'd love to get your feedback on some of the items so the first sure. one here uh jen is the transfer of procedural technical requirements from code of ethics to other regulations so basically it's just creating some bylaws and and some some work around how um, Rico can interact with with the client or with agents, but here's mm-hmm. here's where it gets really really interesting, because we've just not to say we're coming out of, but we've just experienced what over the last six to nine months multiple offers on a, on a, a very aggressive scale, wouldn't you say, Jen? And oh, uh, one of the most aggressive I'd say I've seen in. 15, 16 years in the industry. It was, you know, January, February specifically where we're just uh, next level. So yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised that this is happening to be honest. Yeah. So what the, these couple of points that we're talking about right now, uh, they don't say when we're, they're going to have feedback for us to, to kind of regurgitate and, and provide feedback on uh, mm-hmm. other than late summer. And they're looking to have a, a lot of these, they're looking to launch uh, TRESA, the Real Estate Act uh, 2020, in January 2022. So that's not far away when it comes to nope. big, big things, big issues like this. So multiple competing offers. What does it say? Give buyers and sellers more choice and information by permitting, this is where it gets interesting, by permitting real estate brokerages to disclose the substance of competing offers at the option of the seller, which would allow, hmm. obviously, potential buyers to have choice in whether to participate in this process or not. Now, you you can probably read that, and I can read that, and it can mean a different thing to everybody, right? Yeah, absolutely. However, I wonder, you know, just kind of thinking outside the box, what does that exactly mean? And how much how much information are we going to be able to to portray to other buyers or you know other agents? Right, that that's yeah. an interesting thing because right now we cannot disclose one iota, even if it's Nothing. an exclamation point, a comma, or a word or anything within an offer to a third party and a, a mm-hmm. party that's not a part of that offer. Like we just even even down to Jen the irrevocability time. Like that's not that right. is part of an offer that we cannot that we cannot disclose to to somebody else. So, what do you right. what, what what do you think about this? Well, I'm I'm just digesting it, but uh, I think it's the language is very interesting. I mean, disclose the substance of competing offers at the option of the seller, which seems pretty straightforward. If the seller wants us to disclose, we can disclose. The part that I, I guess I question a little bit is potential buyers would have the chance of whether to participate 
in this process. But I mean, when we're talking about uh, multiple offers in a market with low with high demand and low inventory, buyers are not aren't necessarily going to have a choice if they if that's what the seller dictates and they want to buy that home, right? So, how are they going to balance that out to protect the rights of the buyers and then also give the sellers that option? What does that look like? Are you going to have then some sell some buyers who you're disclosing to and then some buyers who you're not disclosing to? Or is it the buyer who gets to choose if their offer is disclosed, even though the seller dictates, right? So I, I think there needs to be a bit more clarity around it, but. Um, yeah, I think tremendous amount of clarity. And if I'm to look at that, Jen, potential buyers would have the choice of whether to participate in this process. Um, it might be that we've received three offers and, and here's what those offers consist of. I'm not sure. And then maybe mm -hmm. that fourth person has that moment to step back. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of questions around that. And, and of course, yeah. we're just kind of coming up with different things. And, and I know that there would be a pretty strict guideline of what we would have. Let me rephrase that. What we could provide as for information. And, and my yeah. immediate thought went to, and, and I like Michelle's comment here. Yeah, it's a Pandora's box for sure. Um, let's, say, let's say you, Michelle, and myself submit an offer. On, mm -hmm. on, on one of our properties that's out there and you guys come in at, you know, relatively the same number. Let's just use a number of 800,000 on a, on a $800,000 home that I come mm -hmm. in at 900,000. My question is, won't I feel a little bit silly having to pay 900,000 when the next best offer was closer to 800? Yeah. I mean, you probably <laughs> will. And maybe this is, will eradicate that in, in that maybe, I guess, how would it, you know, this is such an interesting topic because if that's your first offer and you started at 900, I mean, the offer has to be submitted first. So then are you then choosing to back out at that point, seeing that you've over offered by a hundred thousand as a buyer is, is that an option in regard to the buyer chooses whether or not to participate or obviously you should be tied to your irrevocable. I mean, we talked about that a few weeks ago. However, you know, what, what is, what are those parameters? And then, yeah, I, I mean, you're how, I guess it's going to force agents to be not, I don't know how to phrase this properly, but you know, not advising their clients just to throw money at a property and actually home selling at closer to a market value price point, as opposed to these big jumps we've been seeing, which, you know, is maybe not the worst thing in the world in regard to, maintaining the, the market values and making it more accessible for more buyers. Um, and, yeah. you know, transparency is always a good thing, right? I think so. And, and, and again, you and I don't know the, um, the ram not the ramifications, the guidelines of what this is going to be, but it, we can certainly, no. you know, hypothesize, not hypothesize, you know, that word, hypothesize, <laughs> I can't even say it. Him. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And maybe this is this just is another opportunity for us to look at even like an open bid method, which I know mm -hmm. there are some local agents in in Ontario that actually use that, um, yeah. and and maybe this just allows that to to evolve a little bit. And we know some countries like Australia, which is a, a very similar uh, country in size and economic growth to Canada. Um, Maybe, maybe that's something that evolves here a little bit too. So, um, 
yeah, I, I wouldn't be close to it. I'm certainly open to hearing their ideas, but I just thought that was interesting, yeah. right? Um, yeah, and and it could be a scenario too where the, where it has to be disclosed up front, just like our offer dates, right? If they are going to do uh, open an open bidding or a you know disclosure of the substance of offers, that perhaps the buyers need to know that in advance so that they you know can choose whether they want to partake in that type of environment. Um, but then it gets a little confusing too, because is it going to be mandatory or is it going to be an option? Yeah, because it's I don't a good know how question. much a change it, it will enforce if it's not mandatory, right? It's a really great question, right? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I and and I think at the end of the day, like people don't really care about the closing dates or without you know all the other items the that other can influence details, yeah. like really yeah. it, it boils down to how big is your deposit and what is the purchase price right yeah right? Pretty at the much. end of the day that's what it, that's what it rolls into so it'll be an interesting yeah. conversation as this evolves um yeah again this is yeah. not this is to, not to say that it's happening, but this is what's coming in the next phase when we get to have uh, some feedback on it in late summer. So, uh, and this this next one should not be of any surprise as well. Uh, information disclosure obligations. Yeah, well, that's something that we already do. Uh, we just yeah. have to do it at, at a higher level. In fact, um, the other one though is um, uh, the, the disciplinary. I, I'm going to skip here. Uh, procedures and amended composition and other procedures to the the, the excuse me, of the discipline committee under REBA. So what that says to me is um, there's going to be some stiffer fines coming. Yeah. Uh, if I'm to read into that. And, uh, you know, the whole thing here is all about um, the code of ethics and really taking a harder and stronger stand around our code of ethics and the service and the support that we provide to our clients. And, holding us accountable to it. So that's, that's why yeah. this is being rewritten. And of course it's 30 years old, right? I, like, no, not quite. What am I talking about? Not 2002. Quite, what am I, 20, it's 20, 20 years, years old. old. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. just as our real estate market has evolved, this too needs to evolve as well. Right, Jen? You know what? It really does. And when you're out in the market and, you know, from the coaching, we come across a lot of different scenarios on a daily basis that agents experience. And there's a lot of really wonderful, fantastic agents doing their job at a, at a very high level. And there's quite a few agents that, you know, really just don't, you know, aren't following the ethics guidelines as well as you would like them to, or just don't know them well enough. Um, and, you know, there has to be, I think, more pressure enforced on making sure that agents who are licensed are in, accountable to those rules and those ethics so that it's, it is fair across the board. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So again, um, that email came out, uh, should be in your email inbox, uh, from about noon today. And I believe it's, it's simply titled, um, uh, draft code of ethics. So have a read through it. It'll take you yeah. actually to, um, I don't have it up here, but it'll take you to a word document on the exact changes of phase one. So you can read through that. Um, if you really want to, you know, have a nice nap or put yourself to sleep, read through it. <laughs> it's that type of reading. But I, then they, they also linked to this article here, which I got a lot more out of. It was more of a summary uh, than that other yeah. document. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
And then obviously as, as more news rolls out, we'll keep everyone up to date on what's being said and what you need to know, the Coles notes to keep yourself safe and protected. And uh, obviously at our team meetings with Broker Bits, we'll be covering a lot of this, I'm sure over the next six months and, and so on as different phases roll out and different changes get get added in. But you know, it's funny to say it, it's kind of nice to see them, to see something shifting to kind of protect the, the buyers and the sellers and us more, right? I think we we need that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right, let's roll into our first topic, which is about uh, working in the business or working on the business. Yes. Okay, there is a difference, right, Jen? Working on the business or in the business. So give us give us your Cole's notes of what that difference is, because that can be confusing to a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. So working in the business is, you know, when we're doing deals, right? When we're running with our clients, we're shopping houses, we're at listing appointments, the spring market, the fall market, traditionally, we need to be in our business all the time because our focus is going to be lead generation, client management, servicing and closing transactions, right? That's our, our main, our main activities. Um, on the business is the time that you spend working on your business. So your business plan, your budget and PL, profit and loss statements, um, you know, your systems, the back end of your administration, all of that sort of stuff, even your skills, like your education and practicing and you're getting better with your tools or, you know, learning your database at a higher level, whatever that needs to look like for you, but focusing on how to grow your business versus writing transactions and being in your business making money and there's different times of year when one activity makes more sense than another right and it's kind of part of the reason to have this conversation now as we roll into those summer months right yeah absolutely and and people often mistake even working on the business for working in the business right sometimes you know when we we know that we should be out there doing lead gen but like well no i need to i need to focus on this first mm-hmm. right yeah and, yeah and, all, all the time actually yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, and if wayne clements was, was here jen he'd tell us what our four jobs are right yep. as a realtor and what's our number one job to lead generate lead generate right so yeah and and yeah. if we don't have enough leads then we need to work on on lead generating right well, I mean, that's the thing, right? Whether it's on the business or in the business, lead generation needs to be discussed in both categories. On the business is your systems. How do you do it? When do you do it? What do you say when you're doing it, right? And what's your follow-up look like as you as you get those leads into your database? In the business is converting and going on the appointments and, and getting those buyers and sellers signed up. So lead generation falls into both categories because it's the essence of real estate, right? If you don't have leads, you don't have a business. Um, one of the things I always say to, to people is, you know, you can have the best listing presentation in the world or the best buyer consult in the world. And this is where people get on the business versus in the business mixed up. I mean, if you have nobody to show it to, who cares, right? You're better off to go on an appointment and make your way through it and figure out your listing appointment later, like your consult later, than work on having an amazing consult and not have an appointment to go on. It just doesn't make sense when we look at production, right? Uh, that's so true. That's so true. And give us some examples of really what is working on the business. We know working in the business is you know, being need and yeah. need or, or on the phone with clients type thing, talking to clients. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, give us some examples, though, of what working on the business looks like. Yeah. I, I mean, working on the business is 
um, setting your business goals for the year, right? You know, usually in November, December, we do business planning. We, we track down, we look at our numbers from the previous year and we break down what did we earn last year? What was our goal? Were we on track? And, you know, tracking our numbers is part of that. And then understanding if I, what do I want to make next year and, and doing the math, working that backwards to know what that means for your monthly activities, right? So setting your goals, having your business plan in place, that's working on your business. Um, getting your database built, getting your systems, your follow-up systems, your smart plans for command users, or you know your automatic email drip campaigns, your eight by eights, your 12 by 12s, building those, putting those in place. Having a website that generates you leads if that's something you wanna do, right? Creating a social media schedule, not the content necessarily, but knowing when you're gonna post, having those strategies in place or finding the people that are gonna help you do those things and getting them into your team. That's all working on your business, right? Hiring an administrator, um, that's working on your business. Things like that, that are gonna grow your business. They're gonna take you from where you are to where you wanna go, right? Um, that that would be the the biggest difference or the biggest you know activities that I can think of for on business work. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one might even suggest that this is working on your business. You know, mm -hmm. educating yourself and, and doing different workshops. Yeah, I think education. Reading books. <laughs> <laughs> yes, education is a huge part of working on your business because you're working on your mindset. You're working on your skills, right? You're, you're again, it's growth. Anything growth focused, um, I think, is on business. And anything production focused is in business. Yeah, oh, there you go. That's a great way to, to sum it all up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And, and it's important to have both, right? And, and it, but we have to have that balance, obviously, yeah. and, and uh, understanding that, you know, we're, we're creating or honing our skills while we're working on the business. And that allows us to have that in the business conversations at such a high level too, right? And, yeah. and I often, you know, I often said, uh, when I was hosting my investment workshops and I'd spend, you know, a lot of time doing research and, and doing market analysis and things like that for uh, really about a, a, a 20 to 30 minute presentation that I would host before our other speakers would present. But do you know that those call it four to six hours of research provided me with so much knowledge to have, yes. right, to have with all of my clients, not just at that one presentation, but all of my clients for like the rest of the month. So yeah. don't understand. And that's all about becoming uh, that local expert in the market. And that's what it allowed mm -hmm. me to become and, and, you know, spend some time uh, yeah. understanding what's going on from that perspective too. It's, it's, it, it's one of those yeah. snowball effects. You'd be surprised a what you remember <laughs> yes. and, and how validating it is, uh, for you and your clients to have those types of conversations. Yeah, it's it's huge, right? To be able to have them and to give them those references and speak that highly of the current market or the models and the systems in general, you know, that's where buyers see value in what we bring, right? It's it's being able to explain to them why something's a certain way or walk them through a process or solve their problems for them, right? That's that's really why they hire us. So when we do stuff like that, and I say that all the time about coaching and teaching even though I don't really actively sell as much anymore, my real estate skills are way higher <laughs> now than when I was an agent. And, you know, I was never a bad agent by any means. But if I went back into selling now, I'd be a, a thousand times better just because I, I, I live it every day with the coaching clients, right? And we talk about business and strategy and scripts and all those different things. And it's forced me to obviously 
keep ahead of the curve and keep educating myself and, you know, learn how to be a better coach, a better communicator, um, better at relationships, all those different things are skills that we need in our, in our business to be highly successful. Right. So putting yourself in a position like that, it makes you grow so much faster. And I know, uh, you know, Wayne Clements and Michael Tuff and those guys always say that too. It was one of the reasons they were big ignite trainers is because it forced them to learn the material. Right. And uh, it's it's very, very true. So if you're struggling with someone with something, offer to teach it or offer to help somebody else with that topic. And the work you do before you have that conversation is going to expand your knowledge 10 times over. Yeah, uh, that that is absolutely bang on, Jen. Um, mm-hmm. And and I, we encourage people to to train and, and to, you know, elevate their yeah. experience that way and reach out to Jen myself, Vincent Bungar, Drew McMartin. They're, they're our two ALC members that oversee our education. And uh, that's an amazing segue. I couldn't have planned this better, Jen, uh, <laughs> into what's happening tomorrow. So check this out. So Real Estate Hacks with Vincent Drew uh, with the lawyer Dorotas. I'm not even going to try and pronounce it <laughs> with Dorota. We all know Dorota, uh, yeah. local uh, real estate lawyer in Aurora that um, works with a lot of our agents. And uh, Vincent is going to be talking to her about what happens on closing day. Awesome. And, I and love that. Yeah, because we kind of, as agents, either we don't know or we take it for granted. Right. That, you know, it's it's for us, it's just another day. But I got to tell you, for our clients as I'm sure we've all experienced, it might be one of the most stressful days ever. Right, Jen? Mm-hmm. Oh, a hundred percent. It can be, it can be crazy, right? And it can be stressful and for, for agents too, but for the clients, absolutely. And, you know, it's, I love that Dorota is coming on to talk about it and give us insight to be able to have better conversations and set our expectations with our clients in advance, right? So they know, they know what to expect because they're, they're just waiting all day to hear you know, so either yeah, that's, that's stressful having that scenario where you're just waiting and waiting and waiting. It doesn't feel good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, that, that is an amazing opportunity tomorrow. Uh, you should, the, the email should be going out with the zoom link on it for our agents. And if you are not one of our agents, but you would still like to participate, send a message to Jenna or myself, we'd be happy to get you that link. And uh, yeah, everything from, you know, what her, a lawyer does on closing day to the bank's um, expectations to our agent or sorry, our client's expectations, what happens when things kind of go sideways a little bit, when it doesn't close on time, all of those things Dorota is going to talk about. And I've had Dorota speak at my investment workshops in the past and different other, um, different other, other um, speaking engagements. She's fantastic. And more importantly than that, very, very knowledgeable uh, when it comes to real estate law. So that's mm-hmm. a great, great, great option to tune in tomorrow. Yeah. I love that. That's a good topic. Yeah. That's a good one. One that I wish we had thought of first. <laughs> yeah. But well done. Stealing Vince. Our ideas, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Or we just take it, take theirs. We'll awesome just take stuff. it. We'll, we'll do it in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. 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 Very good. Very good. Okay. Let's go on to our next topic. It's all about mm-hmm. uh, relisting and the pricing around that. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, I'm going to let you kind of lead the way on this. You, this was a topic you sent me and I thought it was uh, pretty important to obviously talk about, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So this one's coming up, um, a little bit more now than it was in the previous months. And, and, you know, it's that challenge of when we hold offers and we don't get 
any offers or we don't get the price we want so the home doesn't sell but we're listed at that offer date price um, or we've been on the market and we're just not getting offers for one reason or another and we need to reduce our price so you, you know the, the question that's been coming up and i'm going to throw it to you to answer um, is how do you approach that do you cancel the listing and relaunch as a brand new listing and you know how how much would you shift in the price point or do you do a price change and a status change so it shows up on the updates um, in Treb? And why? Why? Why would you choose one strategy or the other? So yeah, that's that's an easy question, Jen. Three years off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Every I, once I, in a while, I got to give you an easy one. <laughs> yeah, really, really. I, right there, I would follow uh, what we've been practicing or or talking about for years at, at KWRC and that would be to to uh, cancel that listing relist it with the appropriate uh, information going forward so if you had an offer date for June 8th today for instance and tonight goes by tomorrow goes by and there were no offers uh, cancel and relist it with the appropriate information now as as for the strategy on what the offer, sorry, the list price is, that might be unique to each situation because maybe you listed it at fair market value or mm -hmm. maybe you did list it well below what you feel your clients felt was market value. Uh, the moment I would, I would, again, I wouldn't just, I would, I would have a plan in place, Jen, of let's say we listed today, I'll use 800,000 again because we used that scenario earlier. Yeah. And if that is truly fair market value based on what? Based on the comps, because that's what we need to go by, then list it at fair market value based on comps. Now, if you chose to list it well below that and you still didn't get offers, uh, you make sure you're getting the feedback from the, the clients or mm -hmm. the agents that went through it because maybe maybe you did miss it or maybe the market wasn't ready for that home at that price there's there's a lot of scenarios where that could play out where 800 is still the fair market value but perhaps you know that group of buyers didn't come through that week it could be a lot of yeah. things and we're also yeah. seeing this too jen right and and we keep coming back to it but we're seeing it is buyer fatigue they'll see an yeah. offer date now nah, i'll pass i want to see something that doesn't have an offer date yeah yeah. Well, I mean, I sent a, I sent a listing to a client today, just as a funny example, and they, there was no offer date on the listing and it was priced in their price point. And I, I you know, I sent the email and said, hey, take a look at this one. Let me know what you think. If you want to go see it. And they reply back and they're like, no, we don't want to spend 1.1. It was listed at like 950. I, I, and I started laughing to myself because they didn't even read it. They didn't read the the listing. They didn't look and you know, note to self, make sure I put in the email going forward. There's no offer date. Um, but I, I just assumed they'd check, they'd read the listing, right? And and uh, they definitely didn't. So I did have to reply to them and say, actually, you know, they're not holding offers. This is market value price, you know, and, and just readjust their expectation. But I had to actively readjust their expectation. It was an auto response, right? The minute they saw that price. So there is a lot of that going on. Um, and yeah, I 100% I agree with you. Relist always. We want to launch it as a new listing when we're putting out a new price um, or when we're adjusting back to the market value price. One thing I will say um, just to note on that is when you are doing your CMA and you are looking at comparables in the area, sold comps are the important numbers. <laughs> 
right? Like the listing price of other listings in the area means nothing to us, absolutely nothing right now. Some are really low, some are really high, they're all over the map, right? We wanna know what the competition is. We wanna educate our clients on what else is on the market, 100%. But when we're looking at what the buyers are willing to pay, it's sold comparables, right? That's what that's where the market tells you. And I see a lot of agents kind of make that mistake. They look at active list prices, um, and, and that's always going to skew the perception of what you should be getting for the home. So just make sure and, you know, make sure you're using good comparables. Make sure that you practice your CMA skills and know how to do that because, you know, there's nothing worse than going out with an expectation and, and it not coming in um, and being because of the pricing and not the market. Right. So, yeah. but yeah, otherwise, I think you're right, Gary, the market will dictate what what that home is going to be worth at the end of the day. And if you don't get the offers that you want, or you don't get the price you want, then structure yourself, position yourself to be at the level you need to be to get that, but to get that number, but talk to the other agents in the area as well, right? Not just for feedback, but call the other agents with listings and ask them, how are your showings? What's your activity looking like? Right. I'm having a slow week. Are you experiencing the same thing? Cause it might be across the board, in which case be patient, right? Um, if it's just your house, then you know, you have a problem for sure. Yeah, no, that, that is amazing. And I was just, while you were saying that, I was just thinking, you know, when the market slowed down on us, you know, a few years ago, you know, clients, clients only know what they know, right? Mm -hmm. So where are they getting their information, especially yeah. our seller clients? And if you have a listing that's not selling and you're not providing them information and giving them feedback, uh, they're going to go out and find their own feedback and it might not be what you, you know, envision them to know, right? Not that you want yeah. them to know, but they might not be getting the right information. And, and it's funny, you know, out of necessity, that's where we started creating our, our, our weekly market report yeah. on, on the property. And if you're not doing that now, do it. So you have, if you have listings, send them at, at the minimum once a week where you advertise the property, how many people saw it, how, remind them how many people came through it, how many views did it get on realtor.ca and all the other means that you have. Where's your average? Are you face, doing Facebook advertise, uh, advertisement? Show all of those numbers. And yeah. then also what comes along with that, Jen, is here are the three homes that came up for sale this week. And here are the one or two or more that sold this week, right? So yeah. when it comes time to around pricing, it's never a surprise. Right. Never a surprise. Yeah. 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 Your, your clients shouldn't be surprised when you tell them you need a price reduction. <laughs> like if, if they are, you've missed something, right? Like they should be, they should be there with you going, yeah, that's what we're thinking as well. Or that makes perfect sense. Or that's what we thought you'd say or whatever that response is. Um, but they should never be surprised by it. If they are, you didn't educate them enough in the in the last week or two um, to under to get them to where they need to be to make that an easy conversation, right? Uh, and and the one I'll I'll throw this in there, Gary, because uh, we always talk about you know knowing what what we don't know and taking things for granted. The Realtor.ca knowing how many people looked at your listing, I didn't know until about three weeks ago that there was an app for that. <laughs> So yeah, Dylan knew, I did not know. Oh, so I now have it on my phone, but you can download an app and it will pull your listings and it will show you how many people looked at the listing, how many leads you got from the listing um, and, and that sort of information, how many people, how what the average time was, how many photos were clicked through that sort of stuff. So go get that app and have it as a tool. So when you are speaking with your clients, you can give them that information as well because it's very helpful to say, hey, you got a thousand people look at your listing and we had one showing. 
Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. ouch. Yeah. Yeah. I, this sounds like a great topic for another time. When you know, if we start to analyze, we're getting all of these views, all these views, and nobody showing up, or people mm-hmm. showing up and no offer. What does that mean? So we're we're yeah. We'll write that down for the people watching yeah. and yeah. others. We're, we'll uh, we'll circle back to that because there are there's a lot of research done, and Jen and I are happy to share what that research is and how that affects your your pricing and everything else mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it goes uh, it goes hand in hand with the with the week that we do the lawyer lawyer session. <laughs> we'll do this one at the same time. We'll just build, start building our weeks on our calls from now on. <laughs> That's right. Our next show will be brought to you and built by this week's yeah, show. This week's show. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. Moving on. Um, yeah. Multiple offers by the buyer. So let's, let's jump into that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you set this up again, and then I'll come back with my response that made you laugh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, in this scenario, I, I actually it wasn't wasn't anyone that we know, but I did see a, a post on one of the real estate forums where an agent had submitted uh, two offers on properties by the same buyer, and both of them got accepted. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I should have, should have done the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Womp, 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 womp. Yeah. 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 So same buyers, same offer night, two houses, both homes in multiples, both offers accepted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was not their intent, Jen? <laughs> no, unlike you, Gary, <laughs> that was, that was not their intent. The intent was very boldly stated actually that they were only going to be purchasing one property. So they just wanted to increase their odds. They didn't want to choose between either property. So they put offers on both with the intention to, to walk away from one um, fully. Yeah. Yeah. That. Uh, anyways, that just irks me on so many levels. But uh, yeah. I, my response was uh, to Jen earlier. I'm like, well, I've done that before. Now, before everyone, before you just take that and run with it, hang on a second. Which is what I did. Yeah. (laughs) I got to let it hang there just to bug Jen. Uh, She's like, you better not let our broken record find that out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There are times when you want to do that. For instance, if you're an investor and there are multiple investment properties and you do have 100% intent to close on both, that's about the only time. Uh, that it perhaps is acceptable. And, and of course, uh, years ago, I, I submitted offers within 24 hours of each other on two different properties, but it was definitely two different properties that we wanted and we, we acquired, we closed on, we did what we said we we're going to do. So yeah, that's your bought, intent. You bought both properties. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll too. That's I'll, fine. There's nothing wrong with that. That is perfectly go right ahead. In fact, I would love to have a client who wants right? to buy two properties on the same day and is intentionally closing on them as well. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Did I ever tell yeah. you, okay, segue into the one conversation we will have in the future, how, what we bought the, our first investment properties Did I ever tell you th- that I don't think closing so. day? No, I don't think so. So here's the prelude to the, this is going to be a great story one day. We will tell it one day. Um, <laughs> We closed on three properties in one day, uh, two five-unit buildings and one four-unit building, all in the same day, all by the same seller. And of course, we were the same buyer. Wow. And I'm going to throw another loop into this. 
the seller offered us 15% loan to value VTB. So he actually gave us money to go buy his own properties. So he did a VTB's vendor take vendor back take for back. those of you that don't know. Wow. And this in the 90s? This, no, this was, this would have been about 11 or 12 years ago now. Okay. Uh, I okay. can keep, I can keep throwing funny, funny stats at that, but I'm going gonna, gonna to stop there because that's not where today's conversation is going, but yeah. we will have that conversation one day. And uh, yeah, I want to know the rest of that story now. And that dude loved us so much that a year later, this is hilarious. A year later, I wanted to go buy another property, but I didn't want to use any of my own money. Yeah. He actually gave us 125% loan to value, which is giving us more money than we need. Yeah. To go buy another property. Because it was a flip and we were going to flip it, renovate it. I was going to say, it. so you could, he, he financed your improvements plus your purchase. Yeah. He also financed wow. his own interest payments too. I'm not silly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Of course. Of Another course. conversation. Way better Please. than a bank. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Cost a lot of, but whatever. So remember, it's yeah. not the cost of money. It's the access to money. Okay. Back yeah, to multiple exactly. offers. <laughs> back yes. to all there's, I've, I've got stories. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> Back to multiple offers from the buyer's perspective. We as agents need to be coaching our, our buyers that this is not an acceptable practice. No, I, I mean, it's unethical, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, unethical and you're putting so many different lives at risk. Uh, like you know, financial yeah. from the financial piece of it. And of course, you know, the mental health around all of it as well. Um, right. And, and, and in fact, if you're with our brokers, Keller Williams Realty Centers, in our Schedule B, we've actually got clauses written around that, right? Yeah. To, to yeah, prevent that, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, to say that you don't have any offers currently on any other properties. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's important. And this is one of the reasons that clause exists in our Schedule B, right? Because there were instances of this happening. And, you know, a lot of the time agents ask this question, especially as newer agents who don't know what what we can and can't do, they're still learning the protocols of the industry as a very much like, well, you know, we don't want to make a decision. So can we just offer them both? We're probably going to lose on one, if not both anyway, right? And the reality of that is no, for this exact reason, when you enter into a contract, if that contract gets accepted, your, ob your obligation there or your intent is to close that transaction, right? So, you know, the the con the idea that you're you're going into it with the uh, with the intent of backing out puts you in breach of that contract right away it's a very very questionable position to put yourself in as an agent and to put your buyers in and you know if that other agent knew and was able to prove it somehow or some way you could be in a lot of trouble so um you know on top of that it's the ethics of it it's the respect for other people, right? All those other buyers on that property, that second property that you're not actually intending to buy, they all just went through all of that stress, all that pressure, all that emotion, um, and you manipulated that, right? And then on top of that, the sellers who thought they sold their house and were happy and excited are going to get that call the next day to say the deposit check didn't show up or the, the buyers got cold feet or whatever excuse gets used to back out of that deal. Um, and, you know, that's not fair to that seller either or that listing agent who now has to, you know, potentially get that property back on the market. Like there's a lot of moving parts there that you're really you're really manipulating and really taking advantage of when you do something like that on top of the integrity, lack of integrity of that move to begin with. Right. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And and in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm sure, I'm sure if you're watching or listening to this, how can we mitigate that? Is If we're on the seller side, how can we mitigate that? Yeah, we have yeah. Uh, Keller Williams Realty Centers has the clause to, to help mitigate that. Um, outside of that, though, and I believe it was uh, a Paul Ireland, one of our, our top producing agents. Uh, yeah. He, he drafts a very specific email with offer instructions to go out to if you're going to submit an offer, right? If you've shown the property, you're getting those offer instructions. And right. I believe, I believe in that email that if it's, I'm pretty sure it's there. Uh, if it's not there um, or use this, use this as advice, uh, as, as advice, um, ask for a, a screenshot, a photocopy of that bank draft or what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if that's going to help you get the offer submit or accepted, then that's that you got a huge leg up on the next person that just says, oh, yeah. I'll just do a, a bank transfer or something like that. I'd uh, go the yeah. extra mile because that's, you know, as agents, we want to stand out from the crowd from the, from the buying side, go that extra mile. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. We, we do that actually funnily enough, the, the silver nagel team does that too. We request a photo or proof of deposit upon submission of your offer. Um, and the offers that have it, they're always front runners, yep. right? Um, yep. always. So it just, it does, it does just solidify your seriousness as a buyer. And if I have to decide between two offers and one has a deposit and the other doesn't, that's a real easy decision, right? Yeah. Even if there's a slight money discrepancy, a couple of thousand dollars, is not worth a deal falling apart. Not, yeah. not even a little bit. So yeah, I think that's great advice, uh, Gary, to, to include that as a buyer agent and just know that, you know, you just can't do that, right? Just don't put yourself or your clients or any other agent in that position. It's just, you know, it's crappy. Just don't do it's it. It's crappy. <laughs> yeah. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. You heard it here for, first. Yeah. I was, yeah. I'm trying to find something funny to do on the screen, like a big line or a big no, but I can't. <laughs> I was looking though. I was looking. Trust me. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Well, let's kind of wrap this up. Um, again, um, at our brokers, we're doing kind of something fun. We're going to walk to Tobermory this year or if you're in Tobermory you're going to walk down to Aurora um, by by August 31st our summer wellness program take part of that you can sign up at the URL that you see on screen mykwrc.ca slash sw and uh, track your progress and and um, you know get out and move this summer that you know we've been kind of locked in the home so this is a Mm -hmm. great great time to get out and move and then of course uh, tomorrow real estate hacks with vincent drew and uh, dorota uh, the lawyer that's local to uh, aurora area uh, talking all about closing day so that is a great great opportunity jen i don't know if i want this session or this this uh <laughs> this show to leave because you're in the new studio i love it it sounds so good and it's only going to get better i know i know it's uh it's good. Once we get the hang of it too, and we can work the, the green screen behind us and do all sorts of fun stuff and change the colors. Like, yeah, it's going to get better and better for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So yeah, as, as we go into the summer months, uh, there might be a few less shows, but the content mm-hmm. is still going to be amazing as it always is. And uh, we're, we're very thankful to have this opportunity to share with you guys. So for Jen Silmernagel, I'm Gary McGowan. And yes, you can catch us, catch us on all your favorite podcast players of choice, but we'll see everybody on the next show. Bye for now. Bye guys. <laughs>